Hello and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Couch Rotato Podcast. It's week two of our unconventional Christmas movie month, and we've got an absolute classic in store for you guys and gals today. We are covering Rocky IV, and I know what you're thinking, is Rocky IV really a Christmas movie? It might be a bit of a stretch, but I think I got a compelling case to change your mind. And I've also got producer Adam and Jason joining us on today's show to help solidify that case. So, after this trailer, the Couch Potato Podcast presents to you Rocky Four. He could have stopped the fight. He could have saved his best friend's life. But now, the one thing he can't do is walk away. He's had one professional fight, and one man is dead. To be me, you will have to kill me. You can't win! Rocky Four, rated PG. Now playing. Check newspapers for a theater near you. All right, producer Adam is joining me on the show, and we got a special guest joining us today. Uh, Jason, how's it going, man? Long time no here. It's been a while. I'm doing good. How are you? Uh, doing well. I thought that uh, with our episode that we're doing today that uh, we take Adam's vast movie knowledge. He's like he's like a super villain of movie knowledge, and then you love the Rocky movies as much as I do. So yeah. I figured this would be a perfect sandwich of an episode this evening. And uh, if you guys skipped right past the intro, which I don't blame you, I don't like the sound of my voice either. Uh, we're doing Rocky Four today, uh, which is uh, the second part of our unconventional Christmas movie month. Um, do either one of you gentlemen consider this a uh, Christmas movie? I have. I do. I have a, a good case, but I wanted to hear you guys' uh, opinion on it first. Mm, I mean, yeah, I think so. Um, there's enough Christmas in it for it to be deemed a Christmas movie. Plus, I mean, the fight takes place on Christmas Day. So, Jason, what about you? Do you, th- uh, do you f- find Rocky Four to be a Christmas movie? Um, I'm one of those ones that don't think that Die Hard is a Christmas movie. All right, Jason, oh, it's been a pleasure oh. having you on the show today. Uh, that's nope. gonna- yep. Yeah. <laughs> no, go ahead. I, I don't really look at this as a, a Christmas movie. I know it. the fight takes place on Christmas and around Christmas, but I always think of like Christmas movies as having like some type of, and I mean, I guess you really could say it has like the ending that, you know, a Christmas movie would have, but I just don't get that feel with it. Um, yeah. I mean, I just don't see it as a gracious movie. All right, here's my case. I'm glad you actually said that it's not because then I can present my case to you and then uh, you can come up with a final decision after that. Um, as we know, uh, and if you're wondering what Rocky Four is about before I present my case, this is uh, Rocky Balboa is the uh, world champion of boxing. Uh, this superhuman fighter out of Russia decides he wants to invade American boxing. Rocky's buddy Apollo Creed challenges him to an exhibition bout, gets killed in the ring by Drago, 
So Rocky decides to defend the death of his friend and agrees to fight Ivan Drago. So my case for this is Rocky has to agree to the Russians' terms for this fight. So he has to go to Russia, and they decide to have it on Christmas Day. Uh, they could have picked any day. In the calendar year, they decided to pick Christmas Day. And I think this is uh, the Soviet Union's way of fucking with America. Like, okay, we're going to take your American hero and fuck him up on Christmas Day. So Rocky has to not only defend his friend, Apollo Creed, but he also has to save Christmas for America. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's... it's. It's a good argument. Yeah, for my Christmas. God damn it! Well, I tried. <laughs> no, no. See, I, I have another argument. Okay, go ahead. When he goes to Russia. When, when he when he goes to Russia, there's snow. There you go. There's my argument. Yeah. <laughs> and I bet Paulie gets so fucked up. I bet he sees reindeer and Santa Claus. Yeah, he does That's mention right. reindeer. So there you go. Huh? It would still not change your mind? Yeah. All right. Well, we tried. Um, this is why it's unconventional Christmas movie month. I'm surprised I haven't gotten any hate mail about this yet. Like, you're a fucking idiot. You're really grasping for straws on this category, but whatever. Um, so uh, I was looking. Uh, we have are 122 episodes in. First time we've ever done a Rocky movie. So I wanted to ask both you guys. Uh, first Rocky was 1976. It seems like this franchise is universally beloved. There's really not a turd in the group except for Rocky five. I don't acknowledge its existence. I've seen it twice. We'll never watch it again, but, uh, I want to ask you gentlemen, Jason, since, uh, you're a guest, I'll ask you first, what's the appeal of Rocky? Why is this character and these movies lasted so many years and still like are culturally significant, still super popular to this day. Why do you think that is? I mean, Rocky's the classic underdog. And, you know, people love the underdog. Um, I mean, if you took a look at Rocky, I mean, you would see this five foot nothing, probably 190 pounds soaking wet. And he's out going toe to toe with world champion boxers and it's just the appeal of the underdog taking it to the the superior athletes and he wasn't even supposed to get that fight he was a last minute sub yeah i mean it's just it's just the classic underdog story and it's about right and you know he'll you see you hear these quotes all the time through the movie and you even Use them yourself. It's just, you know, rising above the the overwhelming odds and coming out on top. Mm-hmm. Adam, what about you? Uh, I think he touched on a lot of the points I was going to touch on. He's an underdog. I mean, we all like to root for the underdog. And um, what, uh, what he learns um, through his training, too, is, um, you know, how to how to fight through pain and fight through adversity and um you know uh get through all of that and i think that resonates on a human level because we all face adversity and 
uh, we all feel like underdogs ourselves at some point. So I think that a lot of people connect with that. Yeah, that's pretty much where I was going with too. I mean, just like uh, movie fans love an underdog. I think uh, when you think of like underdog movies, I think Rocky's the template that every movie after 1976 follows. It's like, you know, have to throw adversity on top of adversity on top of like all these bad situations that a character has to overcome. It just seems like that's the template and it was perfected by Rocky. And then subsequently they kind of get a little bit over the top. I think the boxing sequences are kind of the appeal to just like boxing. Like if boxing were like, they are the Rocky movies. I mean, like I would probably watch it more often. It's not really boxing. It's just fucking street fighter basically. But yeah, I think yeah. you guys are right. Though. I mean, just it's the timeless underdog story that just appeals to everybody. I mean, everybody's been kicked down at one point or another, and you've had to pull yourself up to persevere. So good call, guys. Good call. Um, you guys ready to dig into some categories? I've kind of spiced this up a little bit. I kind of tinkered with some of these categories, so there's going to be a couple of new ones. So I hope you guys uh, are on your toes, quick on your feet today. Um, tail the tape. This was released on November the 27th, 1985. This stars Sylvester Stallone, Talia Shire, Burt Young, Carl Weathers, Dolph Lundgren, and Bridget Nielsen. This was directed by Sylvester Stallone. A Rotten Tomatoes score of 39% from critics and 79% from audiences. The uh, critical consensus was Rocky IV inflates the action to absurd heights but it ultimately rings hollow thanks to a story that hits the same basic beats as the first three entries in the franchise. Box office, this had a $28 million budget and grossed $300 million. Um, Didn't win any awards. Uh, Did get nominated for some Razzies, as we've touched on. The Razzies are like the uh, opposite of the Oscars. It celebrates the worst movies of the year and uh you can watch this on hbo max or max or whatever it's called now apparently it could be paramount max before long from what i was reading today but we'll dive into that another time. paramount max discovery and and knuckles yeah it's it's, it's going to be like twitter like i we call it twix here on the show yeah um and did you know uh some fun facts and tidbits uh about the movie in 2001 Stallone released a new version of the movie titled Rocky IV, Rocky vs. Drago. Even though the new cut is only two two minutes longer than the original, it contains over 40 minutes of never-before-seen footage, including the removal of Pauly's beloved robot, and it also cuts out some of the Bridget Nielsen stuff. Uh, Did either one of you guys see the new Rocky IV cut? No, I haven't seen it. It's like, it's a completely different movie. I mean... They touch on like uh, like Rocky giving up the belts to fight Drago in Russia, which they basically just throw you a couple newspaper clippings at it. Um, but yeah, it's it's a totally different movie. I think it's probably a nostalgia, but I prefer the original over the new cut. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but I definitely recommend checking out. It's it's really good. But I mean, at least the robots cut out. <laughs> I got a question about that robot Polly here coming up later on. I think Jason knows exactly where I'm going because I think him and I have talked about it before. Um, to make the fight between Rocky and Drago seem 
as intense as possible, Stallone suggested he and Lundgren hit each other for real. And I guess the Lundgren was punching uh, Stallone in the rib cage, and it caused uh, Stallone's heart to enlarge, and it like basically pressed up against his uh, breastbone. And uh, mm. Stallone had to go to the hospital for four days. His blood pressure shot up over 200, had trouble breathing Dang. and stuff. But yeah, uh, yeah, I guess, uh, and I guess also things with Carl Weathers and Lundgren got physical too. Yeah. Yep. And they were talking shit and like, I guess Carl Weathers stormed off the set for a few days and then Stallone had to basically play peacemaker and get him to come yeah, back. Did he quit? I think he was threatening to quit. I think Stallone got him to come back. Yeah. Okay. James Brown's Living in America became a top 40 hit and would become the first song in 11 years by the artist to do so. It was also the last time he accomplished the feat. That's a catchy tune, though. I uh, Spotify has this feature called DJ mm-hmm. where they'll play random songs that you may have listened to. And about three months ago, I must have listened to that song one time, and it was playing like... Uh, he always comes on in between like the songs he plays. He'll say like, you know, like here's some songs you haven't played in a while. And it was the first fucking song that came on was living in America. I'm like, okay. So skipping, I just turned it up. Nice. I thought this was kind of uh, a cool fact. Um, this was the highest grossing film in the Rocky series. And this was the highest grossing sports movie until the blind side, in 2009. Really? Mm-hmm. That's surprising. That I, yeah, I would have thought there was way more. And also, fun fact: I've never seen The Blind Side. That's all right. Oh. <laughs> Say no more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if this were a video podcast, both your expressions would be like, "Okay, that's all I need to know." This is the first movie not scored by Bill Conti as he was working on the uh, Karate Kid 1 and 2, so he was replaced by Vince DiCola, which, let's be real here, uh, that Rocky uh, 4 score is pretty banging, especially during the fight sequence at the end. Oh, yeah. The original cut of Rocky 4 was an hour longer than the cut that was released in theaters. To maintain the flow of the story, a third of the movie is made up completely of montages. Yeah, you can you can tell. <laughs> well, I, I somebody went through and actually like timed how much of the movie is just strictly montages, and it's like thirty one point four percent of this movie is strictly montages. A lot of montage. Peter Cetera, I think he plays in the band Chicago. I don't know, but uh. I do know that a friend of the show has been on here a couple of times. Steven absolutely adores the song Glory of Love. Uh, Peter, Peter Cetera actually uh, wrote this for Rocky Four, but uh, United Artists decided to pass on it, so then it was featured in The Karate Kid too. Okay. Um, Bridget Nielsen, who plays Ivan Drago's wife, Ludmilla. Yeah. Close enough. Yeah. She uh, <laughs> married uh, Sylvester Stallone uh, shortly after the uh, premiere of the film, and they were married for about a year and a half. Hmm. I'm surprised it lasted that long. 
Well, I had read a story that apparently she's in Beverly Hills Cop 2. Apparently, yeah. her and Eddie Murphy were kind of fooling around a little bit. Stallone caught wind of mm-hmm. it. That's the rumor. Mm-hmm. That was that was not confirmed by uh, Bridget Nielsen's party or Eddie Murphy's when I tried to reach out for a comment. Of course, the first thing he says, like, who are you? And the second one was like... <laughs> nah. <laughs> nah this is a big nah, dog. Um, last one I got is uh, Stallone and MGM were sued by Timothy Anderson for copyright infringement. Anderson claimed he wrote a treatment for Rocky IV, but his script was rejected. Anderson would go on to claim that the script used for Rocky IV was similar to the one he had wrote, but the court shot his case down saying he had no basis to sue them for copyright infringement as Stallone is the person who's developed these characters in the first three movies. So they gave him the big fuck you. Um, that's all I got. Uh, Adam, you got anything you want to add to these fun facts? Um, I didn't have any, uh, as, as per usual, I didn't have any uh, facts per se, but I had a couple of different goofs uh, that I wanted to uh, enlighten people with. Well, uh, that, I think we really um, need to make that its own category. We just have to come up with a good name for it. We, we do. Um. But uh, you and I were talking before the podcast, too, about uh, some of the goofs, uh, like when Apollo is uh, pointing at Drago and says, I want you. Uh, he's not wearing any gloves, but when they cut back to him, he is just it, his gloves are randomly on. And it happens a little bit earlier in the movie, too, when he's he's throwing stuff for the dogs and uh, they get back to him and he still has it in his hands. It's just. Eh, well, we don't care about that. Continuity. Who needs it? Um, and uh, uh, there's a couple of different uh, uh, translation errors in the in the last scene after he beats Drago, uh, and he's making his speech. Um, there is uh, a point where he said um, something along the lines of, "You know, two people killing each other is better than twenty million. And uh, the Russian translator translates it as twenty million dollars. Uh, but um, learned that they cut that out of the uh, director's cut. So, I mean, they fixed it at least. I uh, did. Those are the only two. I did tell you uh, <laughs> before we started too that uh, when Duke is giving Rocky his big speech right before they cut into a montage, it must have shaken yeah. Stallone so much that he actually refers to uh, Duke uh, by oh, his yeah. real name, Tony. Yes, thanks, Tony. Yeah. <laughs> like for the longest time, like who the fuck's Tony? And like, oh, Tony Berg plays Duke. Jason, did you have anything you wanted to? I think you pretty much hit on everything that I had. I mean, it's just your 1980s class. I mean, seemed like all the villains in 80s movies were so, uh, from Russia or Soviet. And yeah. it's just your run-of-the-mill 80s sports or USA versus Russia type movie. Yeah, it's yeah. like it seemed like each era of film has like, um, like you know, f- 40s and 50s. It was probably the Nazis. And then once the Cold War was a thing, it was, it was cool to hate the Russians. And then, of course, once uh, the Soviets and the uh, Americans became cool with each other for a while, uh, let's uh, move uh, a little further east, make yeah, them yeah. bad people, and now it's 
it should be rich people. Like rich people should be like villains in movies now, but yeah, I'm not getting into that. Should. Getting into that tonight. I, you know, um, speaking of the uh, the villains in the movies, I feel like um, I was kind of uh, um, sympathetic towards the Russians at the beginning of this movie, and then because like you know they came to America and all the Americans hate them, and they're not doing anything wrong. Until like you know Apollo Creed dies and you, you hate Drago because he killed Apollo Creed, but you know at the beginning of the movie you're just like hey you know they came over here to uh to just to fight you like it, it's not like they're trying to start a war or anything you know well technically they were they were trying to take on America's like King of the Ring Rocky Balboa right right and he's American as the movie progresses you hate them but. <laughs> You know, when you said that, though, I wish I was young enough to have seen this in theaters because, like, when you see it and, like, as many times as we've seen this movie, like, Apollo's death really doesn't, like, okay, Apollo, like, all right, here comes where Apollo gets killed. But I think that would have been, like, a real big thing if you would have seen that in a movie theater. Like, oh, shit, they killed Apollo Creed off. Yeah. That seems to be, like, a Stallone thing, too, just, like, killing off all the, the major characters in the Rocky series. He's the only one left. I mean, I feel like uh, a couple of different movies can can learn from that. I feel like stakes need to be higher in certain movies. Well, you never but, you know, know. Maybe uh, Marvel will reach out to Stallone. Like, hey, can you do for us what you did with the Rocky movies? Yeah, <laughs> they need. All right. The Martin Scorsese, this cinema award for the best or your favorite scene of the movie. Jason, what is your favorite scene in the movie? Okay. So it's when they're walking to the ring and Paulie's giving that little speech to Rocky about how he admires him or he wants to be him and he's never treated him like a bum, even though he really is a bum. Um, he doesn't really do anything. He's just like, he's kind of, you know, he knows this could be the end. I mean, he was there for Apollo. He saw what happened. And now his brother-in-law is gone to to fight. And he's just letting him know, you know, like, if, if I could trade places with you, I would. And then they get out into the ring and Drago steps in and... Paulie makes that, uh, hey, Rock, remember when I said I wanted to be you? Forget it. <laughs> just walks out of the ring. And yeah, that's my favorite favorite part in the movie. I love Paulie. And he finally, you know, he's he's always a bit of a smart ass and a hard ass. And then he had that soft moment. And then he went right back to, yeah, I'm, nah, I'm good. Yeah, I'm surprised he didn't say, thanks for buying me that robot after I damn near started a race war in Rocky Three. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Adam, what was your favorite scene in the movie? Um, I really like, uh, of course, I, I love the fight scene, but that's going to be like, you know, it's going to be everybody's favorite. So um, I'm going to go with my uh, uh, other favorite, which is um, when uh, Duke is talking to him in the cabin. Uh, talking about Apollo and you mean Tony? Um, you know, just yeah, Tony. <laughs> uh, talking about Apollo and how uh, you know uh, he was like a son to him, and um, you know now uh, you know R- Rocky has to avenge him, and 
he just psyching him up for the fight. And I, I, I just like the um, bonding that they had there. It's really cool. I'm actually a bit shocked that neither one of you guys mentioned one of the numerous montages. So I'm going <laughs> to fucking do it. Uh, I debated between the uh, uh, no easy way out. Because I've told many friends, like, if you get murdered in the ring by a gigantic Russian boxer, I'll play this song and, like, just angrily shift gears as I'm driving down the street. But I don't know anybody that's going to fight, like, a Russian boxer anytime soon. Um, I think I have to go with the Hearts on Fire training montage. If for any reason, when he's, like, doing the... uh He's got Rocky, or not Rocky, but Rocky's got uh, Duke, Pauly, and Adrian in that cart. And then, like, you're getting towards the end of the song, and then, like, you hear that. It starts to pick up the pace of that. Dun, 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 and then, like, he's struggling to pick it up. I'm like, fuck, Rocky's going to win uh, this. He's going to fucking win it. <laughs> I've seen this movie hundreds of times. It still fucking gives me goosebumps every time he picks that cart up. Like, when he's struggling, I'm like, yep, it's got to be it. I will say, though, runner up is the last round of the fight between him and Drago when uh, Vince DiCola's, uh, I think that song's called War, his uh, mm. piece, and then it starts to pick up when it's the last round and it, like the song picks up and Rocky and Ivan just like, they're just beat to shit and like they just will themselves to get off the, you know, get out of the stool one last time to fucking end it. That's yeah. pretty close second too, but uh, I'm going to give it to the Hearts on Fire montage. Now I'm going to be uh, I'm going to be completely honest since uh, I didn't uh, get to watch this movie um, uh, anytime in a timely manner before this podcast. I should say uh, I kind of fast forwarded through the montages because I knew they were montages. <laughs> I'm going to go montage. Montage, Honestly, montage, the montages montage. are the best part of the movie for me. <laughs> it's almost yeah, like I just want to skip to the next one. <laughs> <laughs> but um, all great choices, gentlemen. Um, yeah, I mean, this movie, like, it was really hard to pick one. There's just so many. But yeah. so we'll call that one a tie. Okay. Um, the Andy Dufresne get busy living or get busy dying award for the best or most quotable line of the movie. Uh, this one was also tough. Um, Adam, I'll let you lead off, uh, any particular, uh, line or piece of dialogue stick out to you. Uh, yeah. Um, I really like if he dies, he dies. I don't know why. I just like every time he says it, he just stares at the camera. Love that line. Draga only has like six lines of dialogue that you can actually understand in this movie is either he's screaming in <laughs> Russian or it's like, he's just staring yeah. very icily at people. But between, uh, I will break you. And then like, if uh, he dies, he dies. Like those are two of the most quotable lines in the whole movie. Yeah. Um, Jason, what about you, man? What was, uh, your pick? Well, it was going to be if he dies, he dies, because who hasn't caught their brother and, you know, left him laying <laughs> and saying, you know, hey, if he dies, he dies. See, this but, is why him and I get along, because him and I have had murderous relationships with our brother. Like, I think we, because we both have younger brothers, we've tried to kill them, or like, there's been a all-out Donnybrook where it could have resulted in a death, but it didn't. 
<laughs> um, but I'll I'll say another one. Uh, so during the fight, when in between rounds, Rocky says, "I see three of him out there," and Paulie comes with the one the one liner hit, hit the one in the middle, and then Duke, yeah, hit the one in the middle. <laughs> I regularly use that one if I hit hit something with uh, hit my head on some. Oh, I see three of them out there. It's always you always find out what kind of friends you have when you make that comment. Someone says, "Well, hit the one in the middle." Yep. But yeah, yeah. my wife's never seen the Rocky movies, so yeah, I don't get a response from her when when it's said. Uh, my my but wife, then, I think she's seen. Uh, I think she's seen Creed, and that's it. Uh, that's the uh, one I drag because I probably dragged her to see it. I honestly don't think my wife's seen any of them. So. Well, I, you know what? One. We'll just have to fucking change that. We'll just have to rent a big projector and just do like fucking big, like just camp out in a parking lot and just fucking show them. Like you ladies are going to sit here and watch these and we're going to check back in on you in like six hours with food and you finish them off and then we'll come back later on. And then you guys, you ladies have to give us a full report on what you think. Of course, they'll probably Honestly, be gone within like 10 minutes. Like fuck them. Oh, no, see, we, we need to chaperone so that they we know that they watch the entire thing. So what we do is we get pizza, we get drinks, and we have a Rocky Marathon. And guard dogs. And make sure they're... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like sick. Um, I know for me, uh, I think uh, if he dies, he dies is probably what I would go with. Simply because it's like, you know, it's the most iconic line from the movie. Although watching this uh, a couple of days ago, I think I'm going to start using this in my house when my kids get out of control. And like basically my wife and I have pretty much just, all right, we're fucking done. Like I, we give up. I'm going to start yelling at her. Just, just throw in the towel. <laughs> yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. So I think I'm going to start using that, but I think, yeah, if uh, he dies, he dies. Has to be it, because can you imagine him saying that now in like the social media era? Like he'd be fucking burned at the stake for oh, that. Yeah. But, Canceled uh, Ivan Drago. Well, he's Russian, so no one's going to give a shit anyways. They hate <laughs> him already. So, uh, let's see. The uh, there really isn't anything unintentionally hilarious, so we're going to skip that category. Okay, I'm really curious to. Uh, Get your guys' input on this one. Uh, the McLovin for the best or uh, scene-sealing performance of the the movie. Um, Jason, who would you uh, go with? You can't go with uh, Dolph Lundgren because he's in the movie too much. I think Paulie's kind of disqualified too. But um, I think I want to go with the, the son when – he's got his little group of friends at the house and they're watching the fight on the TV and they're going absolutely crazy. Like I, I love that scene since I was, you know, I first saw this movie. It's just, it got you so fired up because it made like, I mean, you know, I was five when this movie came out and I probably saw it for the first time sometime in that, that range. And it just kind of felt like, you know, that's me that was watching that fight and, reacting that way okay good good call what about you adam um so part of this category is scene stealing 
so I'm going to go with the Godfather of Soul, James Brown. <laughs> so, you know, uh, he literally steals the scene. That, that's such a, a uh, you can't, you can't look away either. It, it's just, you have to start watching from beginning to end when it starts. So I had, uh, either, uh, Tony Burton is Duke simply because I love that character so much. Like he is probably like my favorite, like supporting performer in the Rocky series. I fucking love Duke. That question about him versus Mickey may come up in a little bit. I don't know, but uh, I'm going with James Brown as well. And did you know in the, uh, the credits of the movie, he's not listed. It says James Brown as the Godfather of soul. <laughs> He's not called it James Brown as himself. (laughs) And I love it because like watching it, uh, being a big Saturday night live fan, it really seems like James Brown is doing Eddie Murphy's James Brown from Saturday night live. (laughs) (laughs) Too hot in the hot tub. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, like that, uh, that whole scene is, uh, uh, pretty good with him in it, and I actually almost considered that for, as my favorite uh, uh, scene of the movie, simply because it goes into the introductions where you go through like Apollo Creed's like two hundred nicknames, which that's yeah. also that could come up here in a minute. So save your <laughs> thoughts for that. Uh, the welcome to Dumpsville Population U Award for the performance you'd recast. I really wouldn't recast anybody on anybody in this. It's pretty. It's cast pretty yeah. well. I mean, maybe, I, maybe one of the Russian government guys, like any one of them, because I feel like they're forgettable. Oh, like the 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 promoter, which they basically stole like two Russian professional wrestler names, and just combined them into one. Yeah, <laughs> Nikolai Koloff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Um, the unsolved mysteries of the movie. Uh, I was kind of a. Uh, dwelling on this one a bit who becomes the heavyweight champion of the world once rocky gives up the titles because i mean i'm sure that going into this like rocky versus drago is like the big fight that everyone's talking about but there's also a vacant world championship that needs to be decided so it's kind of curious on who who was like who would be confiding for that is uh go back to clever lane that's what I was thinking. Or Clubber Lang was uh, going to uh, f- be one of the fighters fighting for it. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, we don't really know what happens to him too much after the events of this movie, but I'm pretty sure that uh, considering his pedigree, that his only loss is to Rocky. So it makes me yeah. wonder if they don't do a uh, a third fight. Well, no, they can't do a third fight because then we find out in Rocky Five that Pauly pisses away all their money. And Rocky's completely broke. He can't fight anymore. Yeah. So, yeah, I I think Drog or uh, Clubber's the the champion of the world at this point. Do they even say mm-hmm. who's the champion in Rocky Five after that? Because, like I said, I've seen it twice, and I don't really want to remember it. But I know you said it's kind of fresh in your memory, Jason. So, do they mention that at all? Or you know, I. <laughs> I don't think they ever actually mention who the champ is. I just know that Tommy Gunn is 
uh, fighting for the world championship and he kind of gets blocked by Rocky because uh, he doesn't think Tommy's ready, but they never really mention who that world champion is. And that's what kind of leads to the fight at the end of the movie between Rocky and Tommy. Mm. It's just, you know, Rocky was trying to protect him because, you know, Mick was given Rocky cream puffs and, you know, after he became the world champion in part two, well, in part three, and he was kind of avoiding Clubber Lang and he just didn't want, you know, Tommy to to rush right into fighting a, a, someone that may have been, you know, a little more seasoned. But I don't think they, I really don't think they ever mentioned who the world champion was. Well, I looked up the plot of Rocky five and it says that, uh, George Washington Duke attempts to goad Rocky into fighting his boxer union Kane, who is the top ranked challenger, but Rocky declines. Yeah. He's a, he's just the, I mean, he's not really the, the champ he's just you know he he wants that fight against rocky because of the name value but you know he had given up the belts to fight drago so he wasn't champion but then it was you know that who i think is absolutely hilarious that george that character is absolutely hilarious and he rocky says Potter. he says one of my favorite lines in any movie regardless of whether it's a comedy or a drama, he, when Rocky's getting ready to hit him, he says, touch me and I'll sue. <laughs> just Rocky the delivery. Yep. Just the delivery on it. And I, I forget that actor's name off the top of my head, but yeah, like he is laughably awesome. It's like, he's trying to do Don King, but he just takes oh, it yeah. up a notch, but. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess, uh, that kind of, the puts a uh, holes in our uh, theory on clubber Lang being the champion. So did clubber Lang retire then she's like, you know what? Rocky beat me. I can't do this anymore. I'm done. Yeah. Well, I know at the end of Rocky three, like they have that mutual respect for each other, but I'm still going to fuck your wife, Rocky. <laughs> <laughs> so, Oh God, Mr. T. And and he also fought Thunder Lips, the ultimate male. Yeah, which is the nickname that I had for my brother for a couple of years. Did take off the way I had hoped, but yeah. Also, inadvertently started Hulkamania because <laughs> Hulk Hogan took off shortly after his appearance in that movie. Yep. Um. So I I go googled it. They they. Uh... Google seems to think it's it's clever Lang. I mean it it's literally it, the in big text. Uh, first option. Well, so. the thing with that though is, like Rocky Five takes place like immediately after Rocky Four, right? Yeah. Well, it's like right after he gets back from Russia, it's like he finds out he's broke. Yeah, he finds out that Paulie got goaded into signing those papers and. It cost him everything that he had and the house and the cars and end up moving back to the to their old Philly neighborhood. Bigger and, unsolved mystery is why the fuck did Rocky trust 
Paulie with his money. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's the that's the mystery there. Well, we'll just devote like an entire episode to what possessed him to think that was a good idea. Like that'll just be a whole episode. We just crack that code. <laughs> and a lot of time issues between Rocky Four and Rocky Five, so I don't know because like Rocky's son is mysteriously yeah. like a teenager after being an eight year old kid, like months after I I it makes my head hurt trying to fucking wrap wrap around what's all going on with that. So yeah. Isn't his kid like uh three or four um in the last movie before this one? And Rocky and four is like seven or eight. Yeah. yeah. And then the kid grows up fast. <laughs> yeah, then he's like a fucking teenager. It, like Stallone's son is uh uh plays his son in Rocky, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, because I remember his son is in uh Rocky Balboa by uh, he's played by that uh actor from uh This Is Us, the the guy that Milo Go ahead. You fuck it up because I want to break the tradition of me fucking up somebody's last name in this show. I do it every episode. Let's see. Milo. I'm just going to call him like ventilator. Okay. (laughs) That'll work. Milo ventilator. The guy from This Is Us that everybody thinks is the perfect husband and father and all that jazz. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, we're going with Google. Google says Clubber Lang is the champion of the world. That's what we're going with because obviously, right. whoever wrote Rocky Five did not understand the fuck concept of time. Must not watch Back to the Future. Um, Jason, since uh, you were uh, last on the show, we did introduce a new category. Uh, we call it the most insert the uh, the year moment of the movie. So we're going to do the. <clears throat> The most 1985 moment of the movie. So I'm going to present to you guys the most 1985 moment of Rocky Four is boxing is still being significant in sports culture because now it's like an afterthought. It's kind of in the United States, especially probably behind. I don't know. Soccer is actually starting to gain some steam here. Uh. The big four, obviously, uh, it's definitely not as popular as uh, UFC. That's kind of taken boxing uh, places like the top combat sports. So that's my pick because people actually give a shit about boxing then. They don't so much anymore. Yeah. Uh, you guys got a contender for this? I I do, actually. Um, right, Adam? Uh, the uh, tech that they used to train Ivan Drago is very 1985. <laughs> I will also say oh, that that technology too is like actually significant because they use a lot of like computers and things like that to help train athletes better now. Yeah. So it's kind of like the technology itself that they're using is like old as fuck. That they, probably they donated that to a school like in like ninety one, and they used it for like seven or eight years before it it completely went to shit. So, yeah, yeah, definitely the uh, the tech for sure. Jason, do you have one? Yeah, I'll come up with one. Um, how about a steroid induced Russian villain? Oh yeah, that's a good <laughs> call too. Steroids in general, and 
that's the stigma that steroids like turns you into like a mean, ruthless, nasty human being. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good call too. Um, yeah, which we found out that later on, like, you know, steroids don't cause like rage or anything like that. Right. Okay. All right. We'll go with it. Sure. <laughs> I'm not a doctor. I just play one on TV. Um, hot off the skillet takes, uh, still have not found a, uh, restaurant sponsorship for this yet. So we're going with the, uh, Cracker Barrel presents the hot off the skillet take for your hottest take regarding Rocky four. Jason, do you have a hot take regarding this movie? I do. I don't look at besides it not being a Christmas movie. um, That. Yeah. Um, I don't look the, the older I get, the more I don't look at Drago as being the necessarily the main villain in this. I mean, he barely says anything. He's being injected with steroids. We don't know if the Russian government is forcing this upon him and he's just doing it because they'll probably kill him if he don't. I mean, he's a freak athlete. I look at more of the villain as his wife and the promoter. I mean, they're, you know, trying to pass this off as a legit boxer and they know he isn't. And I mean, he, you know, you said it earlier, he's got like six lines in the movie. I mean, he's just doing what, you know, he's being like what I feel like he's being forced to do. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, you, you get into the fight scene and in the end, when Rocky finally cuts him, that's when it's like he, you know, you realize he's human, you know, and it just kind of, it turns, that was the turning point in the fight. And it, it, honestly, I, I kind of felt, I feel bad for him as an adult, as a kid, I hated him. But now it's just kind of like, you know, you, you hear all this stuff about the Russian government. I mean, were they forcing him to do this? You know, did he want to do this? Or is this just something that he had to do to, you know, not be killed. You know, Russians always wanted to be dominant in every sport. I mean, was well, it the 80, 80 uh, steroid scandal with Moscow? Well, it was the proven Olympics? that a lot of the Eastern European athletes that competed in the Olympics in like the 80s and the early 90s were all like on performance enhancing drugs. I mean, that was yeah. pretty much a given. I mean, you could see, like, especially knowing what we know now about steroids and like testosterone and all that stuff we know now yeah. like yeah they were definitely on something yeah so i mean i just at this point in my life i don't really look at him as the the villain in the movie you know he was just doing what i feel he was forced to do he was playing the, the loyal villain, soldier yeah the real villain is, you know, the wife, the promoter, the Russian government. Mm-hmm. Okay. Even though they, uh, even though Mikhail Gorbachev uh, was cheering for Rocky at the end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Adam, do you have a hottest take? Um. Yeah, I do. 
And uh, you're not going to agree with me on this one. I know you're not. There are too many montages in this movie. <laughs> that's not a hot take. Too that's many just montages. fucking. That's just fucking wrong. That's the wrong take. But go ahead. Go into detail why you think. Uh... Well, you, you you said it earlier. What is it? A uh, 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 a third of this movie's montage or something like that. Yeah, it, the reason why it's uh, filled with monta- so many montages is the fact that he had to cut over an hour of the movie. Yeah, to get down to an hour and a half. So to yeah. kind of continue, like to keep the story. I guess for Rocky, like the late Rocky purposes as coherent as possible. Like, let's be real three and four, not exactly the most coherent of, of stories. I mean, there's a lot of fucking holes in the plots of these, but they're still entertaining as fuck. But to, to have that semblance of like keeping some kind of like order to the story, he had to do the montages as a storytelling technique. See, I feel like that that just proves my point even more. I feel like it's more of a crutch. Because, I mean, if you have that hour of footage that you keep in the movie to keep the story coherent, who cares if it's two and a half hours? It's a it's a good movie, right? So, now, not that I'm saying that Rocky IV is a bad movie. It's not. It's a great movie. It's one of my favorite Rocky movies. Just there's too many montages. <laughs> well, I, I think that what uh, they did, especially in this era, too, is like, the shorter the movie, the more show times you can have it playing at. Because yeah. this is, keep in mind, this is before the the era of the multiplexes, where you have like the twenty, the twenty theater, like gigantic theaters, like here in town for the longest time. What we had, we had a five screen multiplex before they opened up uh, the Cinema Ten. Like yeah. when, like five or six years later. And before that, like we had one cinema that had one screen and we had another one that had two. Yeah. So you can maximize the amount of show times you're getting by making a shorter movie. You're proving my point even more. (laughs) Well, see, it's all about money. I mean, like granted, like (laughs) the montages, no, like the montages are classic. I will never get rid of them. You could have kept those and it still could have been like an hour longer. See, I'm perfectly fine with it. one training montage because it's it's rocky. You have to have a training montage, but this one has like what three? I think there's three. There's two. There's, there's two. Oh, there's two. There's the one, the one where in. it shows him training and like Drago training, and like they're kind of showing like this new like they're using like all these different like drugs and like all this yeah. modern technology on one hand, and you've got Rocky climbing a fucking mountain, which still blows my mind. He was able to fucking do that. And like that, that coat, like, yeah, it's gotta be pretty fucking cold. Mm-hmm. Like that's, a, that's a, Hey, let me throw on my jacket real quick before we go out to dinner. Kind of coat. That's not like, Hey, I'm going to be in the fucking Russian mountains yeah. scaling this, this hill. But, um, the last montage is so long though, that they have to cut it in half because they, they started with him, uh, running. Like, you know, every other montage, they start with him running. And then he's like, saw on the log. And then Adrian comes and they, they cut it there. And they have that scene. And then they continue the montage after she's there. <laughs> well, if they did, you would have gotten that awesome hearts on fire montage. That's true. <laughs> 
And we wouldn't have had me, so, like, we wouldn't have had seven-year-old me get super fucking fired up about it. See, I'm and wanting I'm to fight my insane. five-year-old brother. But that's my that's my hot off the skillet take. Adam, I don't think that's a hot take. I think you're just asking for attention. <laughs> um. All right, here's my hottest take. I think Duke is a better trainer than Mickey. No, I think I agree. So. Oh, so it's not a hot yeah, take I at like all. You. No, it's probably a hot take. Well, I know there's like the Mickey camp. Probably the older Rocky fans are probably like in the Mickey camp, and then there's the younger ones that are in the Duke camp. I just think that like Mickey got him through, taught him like the basics, got him through his first fight with Apollo Creed, and he got him through and helped him win a title. But then Mm -hmm. like the two toughest opponents in the Rocky franchise – Duke was Rocky's trainer. Yep, Duke yeah. got him through it. Of course, I mean, Mickey does fucking die right before he fights. Or is that after? He dies after uh, that. Yeah, he uh, he has the heart attack after the run-in with Clubber Lang. And Rocky has to go out and fight while Mick's fighting for his life. And then after he loses the fight, that's when Mickey dies. That still yeah. breaks my fucking heart, though. He goes, God damn it, go out there and fight, Rock, because Mickey loves you. Yeah. <laughs> still fucking get me, gets me teared up every time. My favorite part in that movie. Oh, besides, like, in Rocky 3, besides the Mr. T basically telling Rocky he's going to fuck his wife. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, you know, Mr. T was such a believable boxing bad guy. Like, he was the guy that you would pay to see get beat the hell up. But you knew whoever he was going to fight. Okay, I'm just going to say it. I would be more scared of Clumber Lang than I would be of Ivan Drago. Well, I think a lot of it is uh, Clumber Lang's attitude. I mean, like, yeah. you've got the silent assassin and Ivan Drago then you've got Clever Lang who's just fucking like he's essentially like Apollo Creed turned up to 11 yeah yeah well I totally agree with that take I mean you got Drago who's 6'5 265 and Mr. T it's like 5'4 200 pounds yeah I no I'd be more scared of Mr. T Clever Lang I mean I just couldn't deal with the run in the mouth the whole time. I mean, yeah, Drago's going to stare me down, but this guy's going to completely run me down and then beat the hell out of me. And then fuck your wife. (laughs) (laughs) And I would have believed it too. Like, I seriously think he would have like charmed the shit out of Adrian and like just left. Yep. She would have just left Rocky and went with Clubber Lang, but it didn't happen that way. Um, I did change up uh, the next category, the Hall of Fame. Changed it up a little bit. Uh, we're calling this now the Hall of Fame plaque. This is going to be if this actor or director, whomever, is inducted into the Hall of Fame, this movie be featured on their Hall of Fame plaque. So, would Rocky Four be featured on Sylvester Stallone's Hall of Fame plaque? I'm going to say no. And I say that because... Rocky one, and then there's Rambo 
First mm, Blood yeah. would be like the two movies he's probably known most for. So, would it be Rocky or would it be Rambo? Probably Rocky. I think Rocky, uh, Rambo has its place. I think Rocky is more ubiquitous among people that um, don't generally watch Sylvester Stallone movies. Yeah, I think uh, Rocky is a little bit more uh, culturally significant. He's still relevant today versus Rambo's kind of like more relic of the 80s. I mean, First Blood's still one of the best action movies of all time. That that movie oh, still no fucking problem. rocks. Yeah. But and I still think that the uh, the last few that they did were pretty enjoyable. But you could tell, like, they're really just... If made today, like, outside of First Blood, they really don't... They're just kind of a standard run-of-the-mill action movie. And I think it's probably largely in part just due to Sylvester Stallone, like basically like he just took a template and he just ran with it with a bunch of different movies, him and Schwarzenegger. So I would say Rocky would be on Stallone's hall of fame plaque. The, the first one, since, uh, it got a best picture nomination. He was nominated for best actor and it kind of launched him into like being a superstar. Yeah. Yeah. I could agree with that. Yeah. Um, the last question or category we have is, uh, this is called the burning questions. This is where I'll ask you guys a couple of random questions. Just get your takes on it real quick. Um, when we were talking about, uh, Clubber Lang and Drago, like made me uh, wonder, uh, who do you guys think is Rocky's greatest opponent? And I'll give you the names of the guys he has fought. He has fought Apollo Creed twice. Fought Clubber Lang, fought Ivan Drago, Tommy Gunn, and Mason the Line Dixon, which I don't know who fuck come out of that name, but they really need to get their screenwriting <laughs> guild card revoked because that's fucking horrible. So who would Rocky's greatest opponent be? I mean, I think we kind of already know the answer, but I just wanted to get your guys' take on it. I'm going to go with Apollo. I'm going to go with Apollo. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the answer. Yeah. I mean, just because so both fights were so close and so evenly matched and they were kind of like, um, just your, your, uh, what Muhammad Ali, George Foreman or Joe Frazier. That's the right. Yeah. Joe Frazier. Um, they were just the perfect opponents for each other. And no matter how many times they fought, I think you would tune in to watch it. Mm-hmm. And apparently there was a third fight too, that nobody knows who won. Yeah. Ding, yeah. ding. <laughs> Adam, uh, you said Apollo as well. Yeah. I'd say Apollo as well. I mean, usually um, in movies like this and in other media, um, when uh, somebody finds their rival, uh, you either end up really hating the rival, uh, and becomes like a, uh, a, a villain in a sense, or the rival actually becomes the best friend. And I, and usually, uh, when the rival becomes the best friend, they're the greatest rival. So I think that's what happened here in Rocky. Um, it's just that 
uh, stereotypical um, rival that he had, and they became really, really good friends. And I think that's uh, that speaks volumes to um, who his greatest opponent was. Yeah, it's it's you guys just basically touched on that same thing. Apollo, um, I would say that yeah, Clubber and Drago for sure warrant some consideration. But yeah, it's got to be Apollo Creed. Second question I have for you, gentlemen. Did Polly try to bang that robot he got as a birthday gift? <laughs> Definitely. Yes. Yeah. Do you think he was successful or did like somebody catch him or I've always no, thought this, but I've successful. always kind of wondered if other people thought the same as I did. Like, I know like they seem to be friendly, but it makes me wonder if like Polly just didn't like crack open. Like I'm sure there's probably a lot of like really good liquor in Rocky's liquor cabinet at the house. And I'm sure he's probably, down more than a few bottles of it. It just made me wonder like, Oh yeah. See the, the reason why I say, yeah. The reason why I say no. And the only reason I say this is because if he did, there would be a scene where his hair was all staticky because he tried to stick it somewhere where it didn't belong. (laughs) (laughs) And it didn't happen. Or they would have done a montage where he kept striking out and then eventually gets successful. <laughs> All right. Third question. Best Apollo Creed nickname. I've got my personal favorite is the Count of Monte Fisto. Probably mine too. Yeah, that, that's a really good one. Yeah. <gasps> Trying to think of some of the ones that they were running down through there. Uh, um, let's see, I've heard the Count of Monte Fisto, the King of Sting, the Dance and Destroyer. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up while you guys uh, discuss it further. The Master of Disaster. Of yeah, the Master of Disaster. Oh, yes, uh, the Prince of Punch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's, okay, let's see. Uh, according to Google, I, uh, Apollo Creed, known aliases, the Count of Monte Fisto, the Dance and Destroyer, the King of Sting, the Master of Disaster, the One and Only, the Prince of Punch, and then the Thane of Pain. <laughs> Thane of Pain. <laughs> That's great. I'm still going with the Count of Monte Fisto, though. That's completely original. I would have never in a million years if I was trying to come up with a nickname for myself, would I come up with that? Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Bonus points to that ring announcer, though. That dude's mustache was on point. It really was. The mustaches were uh, were much different in the 80s, at least the movies I've watched. I'm trying to think of who that... that is that ring announcer famous? Like, is he a... a well-renowned boxing announcer. Cause I only knew of, uh, Michael Buffer and then, uh, it was it Jimmy Lennon. Oh yeah. The used car salesman, Jimmy Lemon, mm-hmm. Jimmy, Jimmy Lynn, whatever it is. Oh yeah. Leroy Neiman. He's an American artist. Was not, uh, was an American artist known for his brilliantly colored expressionist paintings and screen prints of athletes, musicians, and sporting events. So, no, he was not a ring announcer. I'll be damned. 
that's uh that's still impressive though yes he uh did the program for the uh for the nfl he did uh some stuff for playboy magazine uh the olympics but was not a ring announcer that's kind of a shame because i think he had a knack for it yeah plus that mustache he would have instantly been michael buffer before michael buffer Last one I got for you, gentlemen. Uh, did uh, Rocky Four end the Cold War between the United States and Russia? In the movie universe, yes, it did. No, I'm talking about real life because, like, no, if you think about it, 1980, uh, the uh, United States boycotts the uh, the Moscow Games. 84. Yeah. Russia decides to return the favor. They're not coming to the summer games in LA. Things are pretty frosty. Rocky five or Rocky four comes out. Then a few years later, they're starting to be uh, arms treaties. The Berlin wall comes down. And then by 1989, 1990, George Bush and Mikhail Gorbachev saying like, we're done. So within f- five years, four years of this movie's release, no more Cold War. Eh, I mean, it's a bit of a stretch. A lot there's a lot right. of heavy lifting by Mikhail Gorbachev. So they and, they uh, cheered. For, yeah, well, yeah, he was impressed by Rocky Balboa in Russia. <laughs> and like, you know what? These Americans saying. are all right. If they all had the heart of Rocky Balboa, then they there's some good people over there. And then he also, I'm sure, he was you know touched by like if I can change. And use can change. We all can change. And Let's just did. say it eased it eased the tension. Eased the tension. Okay, yeah. I'll I'll accept that. I'll accept that answer. It eased the tensions and it allowed for some dialogue. And then from there, it ended a, a window in the wall. That's right. <laughs> all right, well, gentlemen, that's going to wrap it up for uh, this episode. I uh, greatly appreciate you guys uh, spending a little time with us. Today, talking a little Rocky Four, uh, Jason. I hope that you sit and think about my case as being a Christmas movie. Well, let me ask you this: yeah. Last week we did Lethal Weapon. That was the first yeah. episode in our unconventional Christmas movie list. Do you consider Lethal Weapon a Christmas movie? No. My case for it being a Christmas movie is this: the relationship between Riggs and Murtaugh probably wouldn't exist unless Roger Murtaugh was in the holiday spirit and he invited Riggs over to visit his family. It's like, hey, I don't want this guy. He's obviously a loose cannon. I don't want him being alone on Christmas. And then sets forth a pretty much one of the best uh, cop duos in the history of movies. All because Murtaugh found in his heart to let Riggs into his house during the holidays. I mean, fair enough. But yeah, it's still my cookie. You're a tough cookie to crack, <laughs> so, man. I I'll give you a bonus because this wasn't on the uh, this wasn't on the Lethal Weapon podcast when we did it because I didn't say it. But and it's kind of a downer, really. But there are way more suicides uh, in America during the holidays than any other time of the year. That's a very big plot point of Lethal Weapon. <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. Again, still not a Christmas movie. 
(laughs) (laughs) We'll get him one day, Adam. We'll get him one day. All right. Well, guys, uh, it was awesome uh, chatting about Rocky Four. Uh, please be sure to uh, hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on episodes each and every week. You can follow us on social media. Just click on the links below in the show description. And if you dig what we're doing here, please be so kind as to uh, take a brief moment to leave us a kind review on Apple or Spotify. So until next week, we will talk to you guys later. Uh, bye.